Attention! Welcome to the Film Mages Podcast, where the popcorn is our ammunition, the couch is our foxhole, and the cinema is our place of worship. Now let me see your war face! Please. We no starting with chewing, we're recording. Wait, has the episode started? I just started it. Oh my gosh. Hey there, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's the film majors. We're back. We are back. I'm Zach. I'm Mick. I'm Alexis. Alexis is chewing, so she's covering her mouth. I think she's No, I finished. Oh, you finished chewing? I finished. (laughs) I finished chewing your I desperately tried before this started. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but. Tasty. It's really good. It has walnuts yeah. in it and cinnamon. Walnuts and oh, great. raisins. I, I can't eat that. And bread. Why? Because of the cinnamon? No. Are you allergic? <laughs> yeah, it's too Are spicy. Are you allergic to uh, tree nuts? Yeah, I'm allergic to tree nuts, which was a fun moment on set today when uh, someone on the COVID team, I, I was posted up at our parking situation, and someone on the COVID team uh went to go grab me coffee and came back and was like, hey, so uh, they didn't have any vanilla creamer. I put hazelnut in there. Is that okay? And uh, at like, I I woke up at four in the morning today and at like six in the morning, I just looked at him and I was like, it's not okay. Oh God. It's not even kind of okay. That's not what I said. Is that what that sound was last night? When I woke up? Yeah, you were awake. I was awake. You were awake going to bed. I woke up to your alarm. Oh, really? Well, yeah, well, I fell asleep on the couch, but yeah. And then I just heard this weird convulsing sound. Disgusting. Yeah. I'm sorry that you had that experience. It's no good. Yeah, no, it made me sad. But uh, tomorrow's the last day of this uh, commercial. So... Congratulations. And uh, I believe that uh, some more congratulations are in order to Mick and Alexis for wrapping the movie they were working we on. We did. They're free. Oh, yeah. My body is slowly but surely decomposing in the aftermath. There is a certain level of decay happening, but yeah, uh, yeah it's the post-production wrap where you're just in a comatose state. I call it I call it hibernating. That's what it feels like. You know, it's nice. It's good. Yeah. It's good well, to be done with the show. It's good. I feel like as an as an introverted person, like for the most part, I really started planning because it's like oh, you make so many friends. It's like oh, we're planning all these things, and then I was like, oh, no, actually. I'm just going to stay home. Well, you better get fired up because it's hollow weekend. And you know what else you better get fired up for? What's going on? What is going on, Zach? Please tell us. Well, uh, I had another experience on set today that I wanted to bring up. Okay. Did it happen again? Yeah. So... During the uh, final setup for this commercial, I can't say what it is because I'll be sued. Um, they uh, they were you know setting up, and there's this beautiful thing that happens during the final setup of a shoot. That I feel like there's just this very quiet focus where mm-hmm. everyone knows that they want to get out of there. They know that they're close. The light people, is at the end of the tunnel. Yes, now. people are like at the top of their game. Just silently working away moving lights you know getting set up and uh during that time just as it uh got about as quiet as it possibly could i was i was sitting right by uh everybody setting up i uh i ripped ass 
I farted louder than I have in like years. And I it wasn't like I was like going ham at crafty today. Like I, I had breakfast and lunch and like a couple cups of coffee. I was feeling fine. And uh yeah, just explosively farted and it was something about the uh setup of the space that I was in. <laughs> It just reverberated around this set, and I didn't look over at everyone. I kind of like stared off into the middle distance. Right, yeah, like who was like, you know, God. It's it's a funny business we're in, isn't it? Yeah, it, well, yeah I, no, I am sure the Richter scale. Uh, things reverberated a couple yeah, no, lights. Fell. Richter wasn't having a good time with that. That's uh, for sure. Wait, hold on, Richter. Richter. Hardly know. Hardly know. Damn it. Yeah. Beat me to Got it. you there. Got you um, there. Wow. You know, I have to say, I know people tweeted into the last episode saying, I don't like the horny energy that Mick is bringing to this episode. Which, by the way, having heard it, I completely agree. It was egregious. I would do it again in a heartbeat. But oh, I wonder what people are going to say is... when they tweet in about the flattest energy that's been brought into the beginning of this podcast, because I have to say, oh. it's, uh, it's, it's mighty. It's a mighty wind. Yeah. The, like the Christopher Guest film. <laughs> the winds of change. Like did you fight it? Like, did, did you did you hold back or did well, it just like a like a sneaker wave? Well, I didn't think that it was you gonna be. I didn't think it was gonna be as powerful as it was. Your ass was talking like, shit behind your back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've been there. <laughs> yeah, so that's what's been going on with oh, me. Yeah, that's fun. Wow. Stupendous. Oh, uh, also, I saw a couple of. Uh, <laughs> back to- that story was so frightening. My beard ran away. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and in turn, it's so frightening. That, I know. Uh, I, I yeah, Mick uh, shaved. It's scary as I, fuck. You should start calling me Babyface Nelson going forward. I won't be doing that. Oh, my God. Yeah, the barber as he was shaving my beard. Sometimes you just gotta say yes, Zach. I, I'm, I'm no-butting Mick <laughs> this entire podcast, and I, I don't like that. I feel like that's gonna get me into a sticky situation. What's the lesson of today, kids? Sometimes you just have to say yes. <laughs> okay, wait. But I do have a segue. You talked about the, the horniness of our last like episode. And uh, what did we watch immediately after recording the last episode? Didn't we watch Interview with a Vampire? You probably did, yeah. No, we saw it before. I think we saw it the night before. No. No, that it? was after. It was, was after it? because I was like, oh, I'm going to bring this up on like what's going on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember now because it was the night of or the following night on your spooky list. Yes, I believe it was yeah. the night of. Yeah. Yeah. G- great movie. Yeah, what yeah. a blast. Wow. Oh my god. Yeah. We were we were all rooting for Tom Cruise. Yeah. Enrique was hella rooting for Tom Cruise. Yeah. I think he even called him hot at one point. Which oh, I just felt is a victory because I mean yeah. You know how Enrique, like, anyone over 25 is old. Yeah, there's a certain vindication in that there statement. There is. Yeah. I feel like, ah, you know, Tom Cruise still has it, I guess. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. Like, you don't need to be that worried about being old and unattractive. You're not. I didn't. Do you're, you're not even out of your 20s. That's a comment about the beard, first of all. Fair enough. But two, I'm <laughs> for the costume that we're doing. I'm playing, uh, who am I playing? Billy. Oh, yeah, I've got to tell you something, buddy. What's up? No, I'm still doing the costume. Just, oh, oh, you want to make him sweat yeah, for a second? I make him a little damp. <laughs> uh, I am trying to behave on this episode, and I don't know why it's not working. Um, 
I, uh, I also saw a couple of uh, classic films on the big screen. I, uh, I went and saw The Lost Boys with a group of friends at uh, the Burbank AMC, uh, which was just an absolute blast. Love The Lost Boys. Joel Schumacher gets entirely too much shit. Uh, I think... I was going to say he gets a pass. Uh, he, no. Joel Schumacher gets entirely too much shit, period, because I've seen four Joel Schumacher films, and three of them range from, like, watchable to very good. So, I think that he's catching a lot of fucking strays. Show him some respect. It's the Batman movie, man. It makes me angry. Batman Forever it. is a fun movie. Uh, Batman Forever is fun. Batman and Robin is bad, but Batman Forever is fun. Did he do that one? Yeah. Is that the one with uh, Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey, yeah. yeah. That's a fun movie. I enjoyed that. Yeah. I'll stick up for it. Oh, you know what's the other one that we watched? Too? Mm. The Witches of Eastwick. <gasps> yes. That is also a very horny movie. That yeah, no, I was not expecting the horniness. No, yeah, of that I, film. I went into it just thinking, oh, there's gonna be some something spooky's yeah. gonna happen, right? I thought it was. gonna And then be... I was like, oh, it's gonna be so fun because it's gonna be Cher, Michelle Pfeiffer, Susan Sarandon, mm. and Jack Nicholson. Okay. Which, which <laughs> by the way, I was uh, I uh, feels <clears throat> weird for saying this, but I was like, oh, Jack Doesn't... Nicholson, you are disgusting. You are slimy. Slimy. Yeah. Jack Nicholson. He's a little. In this. He's a little devil. He is a li- yes. He's a little. He's devil. a horny little devil. He's a horny little. His devil. words. You <laughs> ask him. He'll tell you. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's something that Jack Nicholson would like mutter to you at a Lakers game. <laughs> I'm a Did horny you? little devil. <laughs> hey now. What are you talking about? It's halftime. They're playing the commercials. Well, consider me perked up. Uh, uh, there's been kind of a theme developing in horror movies I've watched recently and that's uh, periods playing a significant role because uh, I love a good period movie the movie that we're talking about yeah we love period piece Um, the movie that we're talking about today heavily features a uh, scene where someone gets their period I watched Ginger Snaps uh, Mm. And I watched the other movie that I watched on the big screen at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery was Brian De Palma's Carrie, which mm. the inciting incident of that movie is Carrie getting her period. So I, yeah. I don't really know if I have anything to say about can that. I, but that's can I just... uh, confess something? Which may be a sin here I'm... in this podcast. I have never seen Carrie. You've never seen Carrie? I've never seen Carrie. I haven't oh. seen the new one. I have not seen the original. And it's not oh. for any reason. It's like uh, Rosemary's Baby, another one that I saw recently last week. It's just I never have gotten around to it, I uh, had, and I want to. Until the most recent viewing of Carrie, I was never particularly into it. There was something about seeing it on a big screen that mm-hmm. like just Makes made it click for me. Yeah, I that's a. I, I think I always felt that it was kind of slow or kind of boring. That's a breezy movie. It's like barely over 90 minutes and it moves. What is that Brian De Palma movie that we started watching? You finished it. It's about the guy... Body Double. Body Double. Body Double. That you threw the window, right? I love that movie. Yeah, I need to finish that. Speaking of horny little devils, Brian De Palma. Yeah. Very on brand. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you watched uh, Suspiria. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I didn't watch Suspiria. What are you talking or whatever about? It is. <laughs> or I get I get Carrie and Suspiria confused. Oh my a god. Lot. You know, it's what? nice to know just... <laughs> that as much as we don't listen to Mick, he isn't listening to us. <laughs> yeah, that, it's, that's uh, yeah. fair. That is fair. I'll give you that. 
Alexis, do you have anything going on other than um, Well, we tried to watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space last night, and then I just like stopped us like halfway through the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. That actually that reminds me, I have a bone to pick with Universal Studios. Oh yeah, so I was gonna bring up Horror Nights. Yeah, take it we, away. We went on Sunday, right? And yeah. Albeit, we did not get in at exactly 6 o'clock. We maybe got in at like 7.30, probably. And um, it was impossible to go through all of those lines. Oh, my God. That It was just so, so packed. And then it was like they weren't like spacing out. Like, um, you know, like when you enter. Me and my sister talked about this yesterday. But they weren't really spacing out like when you would go into the haunted houses. So like some, so you'd see the scares right before you, yeah. and then you're and already then moving past. You. They're already move. You're already having to move past the actors who's supposed to pop out to scare you. You know, yeah. like it's it like was they're just... really. It's like not only are the lines really long. It's they are shuffling you through the haunted house. So it's you're speed walking through these really nice pretty the set design is incredible yeah Yeah. but they yeah they oversold tickets it was a ripoff i mean shit like killer clowns had arrived which i really wanted to do and it was 85 minute wait 85 105 minute waits you know like we think we went on transformer because it was like only a 25 minute wait Yeah. yeah well if you live in the la area and you want to engage in a uh haunted event that's going to give you a little more bang for your buck I would highly recommend the House of Spirits. It's over in Eagle Rock. Uh, I went to it last year. I'm going again this year on uh, Halloween night. And it is a really fun, immersive, haunted house. They have like a story going. You interact with all these actors. Mm. Uh, Last year, there was some tasteful nudity. Uh, And on top of all of that, uh, you get four to five themed cocktails. Uh, so I uh, I had a blast last year, and I can't wait to go again this year. So, uh, yeah, if you're in the L.A. area, check out House of Spirits. Yeah. This episode's sponsored by House of Spirits. I was going to say we're not sponsored by them, but we should be. Yeah, no, can uh, House we of Spirits hop on that? Money, please. Thank you. So that's what's going on. Yeah, that's what's going on. Is that what's going on? Um, I have one more thing going on. I did go see Smile with my sister as well. Yeah, let's get into it. I also saw Smile. Um, You know, it... So when I remember I saw the... I've seen this commercial so many times in the past couple of months. And, uh, you know, the first time, obviously, it kind of gave me the willies. But uh, the more I saw it, the more I kept thinking, oh, this is going to be so hack. It's going to be so hack. And then it started getting, like, good reviews when it came out. And so then, of course, like, I was like, oh, you know, i got to go see it. And you know what? It wasn't, like, terrible. I did like it enough, but I do think that, like, I was able to kind of guess kind of what was going to end up happening. So it didn't really keep me, like, in the feeling like I, I, I started to feel sometimes like I was getting ahead of the story just a little bit. Um... But also, it was it was a little fun. Um, yeah, there's something else I want to say about it, but you, you go, Zach. I feel like I would have had more fun with Smile if you shaved about twenty minutes off of it. That's fair. Uh, I uh, I think when I came out of Smile, I described it as uh, like if you put Hereditary and It Follows through the mid machine. Uh, it uh, I mean. 
I, I didn't hate the movie. I'm, I'm being kind of hard on it, but it, I don't know. It didn't do a lot for me. Uh, I feel like if you want to watch a uh, horror movie that features a giant spooky white lady, uh, save your money for Barbarian, which is now on HBO Max. This episode is sponsored by Barbarian. This episode is sponsored by yeah. Boulder Light I, Studios. I, I told my sister that she ha- if she hadn't seen Barbarian, she had to see Barbarian, and that it was very, very good. One of my favorite movies from the year. But um, I did... So me and my sister were talking about how it's like, oh, well, it's kind of nice that they didn't have to use, like, a ton of gore in the movie. Um, if, if that was one of your complaints, that was not necessarily one of ours. We were, I was more so enjoying the fact that it does what I always enjoy in a horror movie, which is play with your needing, your sense of needing to know what's in the dark. Um, I, I will say in the movie's favor, there is one specific jump scare early in the movie that is so well crafted and got me so hard nice. I, I'm not a huge jump scare man but you know when they're implemented well why when they, they work uh, and this one really works I uh, I was I leapt out of my seat okay. which one was that? well I don't want yeah, to spoil it oh, okay. it's, which I was going to ask actually should I see it then but that kind of sold me a little bit I won't lie. Yeah, I think you don't need to run out to see it in theaters, but, uh, okay. you know, if, I mean, it, if it shows I up on check streaming, it out. check I it out. I think if you're willing to watch Dead Silence, then you should Whoa. might as well fucking hey. watch Smile. Uh, you know what Dead Silence <laughs> has going for it? You know what Dead Silence has going for it is that it's not almost two hours long. And Donnie Wahlberg's in it. Yeah, goofing around with the murder evidence. Nice. Wow. Solid. Uh, yeah, so I feel like, do we want to, I feel like we can now solidly wrap up what's going on. I think I'm, so. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for our next segment. Alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> you sound so enthused, Alexis. I am enthused. She is like 80% I'm of a... our audience right now, like, I'm ready for the yeah, next segment. Yeah, can we chop, chop, chop? <laughs> Come on. So are you saying we should have shaved 20 minutes off of our what's going on? We might want to, yeah, actually. Yeah, shave 20 minutes off of our 20-minute what's going on. Uh, sorry, our 15-minute what's going on. Can we can we get five minutes back? Okay. No, we can't. <laughs> well put, Alexis. <laughs> My sentiments exactly. So what I wanted to talk about today, which I seeded at the end of last episode, mm-hmm. is... Uh, Movies that feel like they were made specifically for you. Yeah. And what what I kind of meant by that is movies where when you watch it, you kind of feel like, who is the audience for this other than me? Yeah. Because this could not have been crafted more perfectly for me. Yeah. It's like if if you had if it's like ultimate fantasy, if you were to want to make a movie, if you were to make something like this you would be incredibly proud. It's the movie that you would want to see. And someone else made it, and that's so nice. Yes. It's so nice. I just get a paid ticket and I get to yeah, no, fantastic. I just, I, I just for me, I nobody else. To, I didn't have to spend all the money to make this movie, because yeah, it's fantastic. fantastic. Uh, yeah, so uh, what, are, what are some of your guys' uh, films that you feel were made for you, Alexis? Alexis, take it away. Oh, well, I was starting off nice and soft with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I remember the I I think I was probably like in grade school, middle school, but there was something so poetic about it that I just didn't quite get at that age, but I thought I got it, you know. Yeah. And over time, I keep rewatching that movie like over and over, and I just it would make me think of something new that I had experienced in my life that also gave me the f- same feelings that I was feeling in the movie, you know, just of like I don't know being so full up of one person that that's all you the best idea would be to erase them i don't know god i love being so full up of one person (laughs) (laughs) it's like dick it's like sex (laughs) come on guys give me some i was (laughs) hey I thought we all agreed to tone down the horny on. No one agreed. No, um, I mean, yeah, that, that was just that was just a consumer complaint that we're filing we're cho- away. We're choosing to ignore. Okay. All right. Well, okay. I mean, well, my second choice was That's the a, Handmaiden. Yeah, so. there we go. Uh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, Internal Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind yeah. is a really really good film. I've only ever seen it once. Yeah, I was born away seen by it, it. I've seen it like dozens of times. At That's least a, at um, least a dozen. What's his name? Kaufman? Uh, yeah, Charlie Kaufman's script. Yeah, really, really good. That is a... I, and I, love... I met the director of that movie, and he was super nice. Oh, What's yeah. his name? Oh, my God. Why am I... uh, Michelle Gondry. Nice. Yeah. And once again, I just absolutely love Kate Winslet. Yeah. And seeing her in this kind of role, which I'd never really seen her kind of... I don't know, just like this weird, free-spirited, kind of chicky, you know? Yeah. It was different for her than what she was doing at the time. Yeah, but it was so... She's so good. Uh, The Handmaiden reminded me of another thing that went on for me recently. Not to dip back into what's going on. Okay. But I went to go see the new Park Chan-wook movie last week. Uh, I went on a Tuesday afternoon, and about halfway through the movies, probably like an hour and a half in, this dude came in. He was smelling incredibly weird. He's kind of stumbling. He sits down in the row that me and my friend Drew are in. He starts rummaging in this bag, and then Drew and I both hear this sound that sounds exactly like a gun being loaded. Uh, So we got the fuck out of there, and apparently we were wrong because there was no shooting at the Universal AMC. But, uh, yeah, I found it incredibly ironic that during the film, Decision to Leave, we made a decision to to leave. leave. There it is. Yeah. Sorry. Maybe it was a plant. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So it's a viral marketing campaign where they campaign. Yeah, yeah. Campaign. All right. yeah. Oh, minor speech <laughs> error. Guys, I was up at four a.m. I know you're in a very interesting place right now. Yeah, you're very feeling, tired. I'm feeling fun. Nobody trusts each other anymore. I, I never have. Uh, Alexis, what do you love about the handmaid? Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I grew up. I grew up thinking my brain was always a little fucked up. You know, I found things interesting. That this is making me sound like a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, no, you're in the hot seat. How's it feel? It feels powerful, doesn't it? But um, yeah, I. I feel like God. <laughs> All these little ants crawling before me to be crushed under my toes. What were you saying, Alexis? I just well, I've always okay. I've always loved movies that do like uh, it's it's divided in like parts, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, you won't understand all the parts until you see the whole thing. Essentially, I don't know. 
there was I mean, the movie the movie's a little erotic i guess i guess that's what you could say and uh I it love is the actually gentle tiptoeing around how <laughs> incredibly graphic this movie is yeah a little erotic so sexual and um i just i don't know i love you know women being stuck in a certain way and then they fucking get their comeuppance you know female revenge is so fun it's so fun yes I enjoy a good female revenge story. What movies were made for you, Mick? Oh, I'm, I wasn't done. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I, are you, are you but I think Mick, Mick might agree with me on this one. I love The Handmaiden. The Handmaiden's fantastic. Yeah. Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Uh, I still haven't seen it. I yeah. own it, and I still haven't seen it. Yeah, me and Mick good watched choice. that one for the first time this year, and it was that movie, and it was Crash, where we both just like looked at each other like, is this... Oh, it is. Oh, this is working for you too, huh? Oh, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I feel like there was a point. <laughs> there was a point in the '90s and like early 2000s where like casting agents in Hollywood were yeah. like, "We need a guy who's just just the horniest, just the horniest freak ever. Just a guy who's just just out there on the prowl. Get yeah. me James Spader. Yeah, James. I I really Ooh. love him. Mom, if you're listening, I apologize, but I love James Spader. I was not allowed to watch any James Spader movies when I was a kid because uh, my mom uh, hates him, apparently. Oh, and, well. Yeah, and I, so I was never allowed to watch see, any of his movies. See, I, so. I did not understand that. I, I, do, I, mean, I don't get it either. I, grew, I love the man. I grew up watching Secretary, which is that absolutely was... not an appropriate movie for me to watch at the age I first watched that, but yeah, pff, them. I love that movie. That's the other movie that I, I watched with you. Yeah. Where I was like, my God, James Spader. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, ah. I saw him in Secretary for so long, and then I finally, I think it was in mm, high school that I watched um, Pretty in Pink. And I was like, oh, my God, he's such a dick. God, no wonder people didn't like him. And then, uh, I, and you know what? And then I saw him in Sex, Lies, and Videotape this year, and I was like, oh, it's, it's cemented. James Spader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all I need to say. That's all I need to say. Fantastic. I, I actually m- mentioned that the only 90s heartthrob that was missing from Interview with a Vampire was James Spader. He should have yeah. it. You know, what I hate, though, is that I, I did all that, and then I didn't even explain why the movie was made for me. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> you don't know. have to. I think we know. No, okay, it's, it's the... It's, it's okay so part of it is the voyeurism you okay. know of the fact that you know he's making all these um videotapes that are like he's interviewing different people about their women about their lives you know and um i don't know okay i don't know i feel like i'm gonna give it away for zach if i talk too much about it but that's fair but um i think there's just it's it was such a quiet movie and it was so it's there's like none of that bullshit of like padding around a conversation you're just getting to know somebody like nitty-gritty just like being yeah. totally honest and Completely like vulnerable. yeah and i feel vulnerable over here on this side of the table in the hot seat yeah <laughs> don't worry we'll go easy on you today thank you <laughs> um but yeah no uh there's there was just something so sincere and honest about the movie that i just really vibed with i vibed with him you find okay. it all over. <laughs> Mick, it's a Freudian slip. Come back with the laboratory, young man. I think if you Um 
Well, this is this is, might sound dull after uh, after that, but I do have to say, and this was the movie I mentioned to you, Alexis, and I get looks over. A movie that I watch again and again, and every time I see it, I go, "Fuck, this is this is made for me." Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World. What? <laughs> well, that's because it's a film for adults. It's a film for adults. You may not know it to look at me with my uh, baby face right now, but I'm an adult. You know how I know that? Because I love Master and Commander. Uh, there was Someone tweeted a while ago that it's a really boring movie, something like that. Yeah, it was and, during the pandemic, and they said it was a uh, great way to put yourself to sleep if you were stressed. Yeah, and Russell Crowe, like retweeted or something like that, uh, saying that, you know, kids these days, they don't have a... Yeah, the no. short attention span. Yeah. This is a movie for adults, and it's an I felt so. Epic. I I felt so validated. But you know, all joking aside, I I love a good tall ship movie. I love like big sail ships. I don't know. I love the aesthetic. I love the sea. Uh, I love how it's a movie about <laughs> me and my aquatic metaphors over here. Um, you're 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 you're. An ocean boy. He's, I am. He's something. I grew a, up on the coast. He's something I, of a salty sea dog. I, I am, which leads me to my second movie. I think you know what it's gonna be. <laughs> my, is it because is it, is it I grew up in Fresno? That's why I'm a little fucked up. Is that it? Yep. Well, I didn't. I'm not saying that. I'm not no. saying it either. I'll Good. say it. No one's saying it. Oh, I mean, okay. it's, it was. I don't think it was particularly Fresno. Maybe just my family. Who knows? But it's. I, I'll admit. <laughs> I'll admit, I uh, it's absolutely a, a, a man movie. It's just a bunch of men on a boat, and it's you know, a, a romantic picture, not so much. But I have to say, there is this kind of maybe I'm reading into it this homoeroticism between Paul Bettany and Russell Crowe as the ship's doctor and the captain. They just they kind of have those scenes where they look at each other and they like, I'm like, God, you guys are basically in a relationship. You just don't know it. Yeah, Come he's on. his ocean wife. I do. I don't think I'm ever going to forget you talking about why Master and Commander is made for you. And one of your responses is, it's a bunch of men on a ship. Well, I'm not saying that's why. I'm, I'm saying that's an aspect. Okay, so that it's actually... a bunch of semen. That ties into... I in the... Yep. Oh, wait. Uh, that ties into something that I wrote down as a thing that I love in a movie is... Guys being dudes, dudes being friends. It's nice. And it may be a little extra. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm just not, a, I wouldn't be opposed to it, is what I'm saying. Alright. <laughs> you got anything else about Master and Commander? Yeah, Bobby? I do. Thank you. Yeah, I, 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 love, I love the, the scientific aspect of it. Too with the doctor who's a who's a naturalist and he's going out in the Galapagos Islands and he's exploring and it's this interesting clash of war and knowledge where these two different mindsets these two best friends are kind of conflicted because one is interested in the pursuit of science and the natural life and one is there to basically tear it down and it's that inherent conflict I find to be really played out I love the classical music they have Bach mm. in there. Mozart and it's all it's just I don't know it's just such a classy film I love it I love falling asleep to it come on man Russell Crowe is gonna find you if you say that he's gonna find her apartment he's gonna barge through the door he's gonna kick the shit out of you um, uh, yeah I feel like Tall Ships uh, ties into the Pirates of the Caribbean films yeah and the Pirates movie. of the Caribbean films tie into the film that I feel was made for me. Because I wrote down some other movies, but I feel like those other movies 
have an audience that appreciate them. Uh, I'll shout out uh, the Seth Rogen Christmas comedy the night before. Didn't do very well, but uh, I found it very emotionally affecting, and it's uh, important to me and my group of friends from back home. But the film that was made for me, <laughs> that was absolutely created for Zach Harris, is Gore Verbinski's A Cure for Wellness. I oh. got you. Oh, I, what a buildup. I love this movie. I love it so much. It is uh, an incredible spectacle. It is once again a very high budget beautiful horror movie yeah and i i love it so much and i cannot wait to get into it it's a sleeper film it is absolutely sleeper what i mean by that is movies that kind of flew under the radar both critically and in a box office way uh it did not do well at the box office and i looked it up this thing has 42 percent on rotten tomatoes that is so wrong. which is insane it's a five-star film it's a five-star film it's a five-star film well, we can leave it at that. I will. Uh, we will we'll just, I we're going to leave it. We're going to leave that in the corner of the room. We're not going to touch it because it's your right it's your happy place. We'll put, it, okay. we'll put a cone on its head. It's yeah. your birthday month. We'll give it to you. Oh, thanks, yeah. guys. I uh, mean, I I I was shocked yeah, when I please. when when I watched it. I was like, oh shit. I can't believe I've never seen this before. Then we got to, to the end, and I was like, okay, all right, well. <laughs> yeah, the end, I, I will agree. For me, it's, you know, it doesn't blow my hat off, but I like I like the journey. I love but the aesthetic. What, what's his name? Uh, who are we Dane, talking about? Dane DeHaan. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Really I I yeah. enjoyed Alexis's comment that uh, she enjoys uh, Dane DeHaan and Mia Goth together because they both look really sick. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean... that is something that I noticed the first time I watched this movie. I was like, they both look like they have tuberculosis. Yeah, yeah perfect a, couple right there. On a rewatch, I, I that's what I said that. Dane DeHaan looks like the Lizard King uh, version of Leonardo DiCaprio. He's got a little reptilian in him. I still don't see that. I feel like he's in his own category, but that's okay. All right. I mean, all right. Sure. (laughs) I stand by it. Uh, I'd like to bring up uh, my first few viewings of this movie. The first one... (laughs) Ignore her, please. <laughs> the first carry on. The first time I watched this movie, it was uh, spring of. It might have been spring of 2020. I was back in Eugene. Oh I was hanging God. out with Edwin. I was at my dad's house doing nothing. The season of the plague. Yeah, it was right when uh, the world started going insane, and uh, a movie where the main character's world goes completely insane. Yeah, was the perfect thing to watch. Uh, after my first viewing, I didn't know how I felt about the movie. I was like, I don't know if this is good, mm-hmm. but I know I had a lot of fun with it. I remember you told me that. Yeah. After you first saw it. Very soon after I watched it for the first time, I watched it at my place in Arcata with Mick, whereupon oh, yeah. I created oh, boy. the Cure for Wellness drinking game. Which, can I say, is probably the closest... You know, it's ironic. It's called a Cure for Wellness, and that might have been the closest to death I've ever gotten. I... Wow, that was a night. I mean, if you play it with hard alcohol, then yeah. Uh, yeah. We did. We did. <laughs> so it was Sousa, I believe, that big, night. Oof. Oof. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to read out the rules to the drinking game. Uh, but just please play them. bear in mind that if you play, please, 
please, please play I, with beer or seltzer. Something okay, I'll be something honest. like drink responsibly. And I was like, oh, that's so nice of him. Just no. No, just the specification. Well, you don't have to drink responsibly, but don't drink in a method that is going to basically so kill you. So don't do what our co-hosts have done. What? Yes. I, hey, last night I played with Seltzer, and I still got off my rocker. Yeah. It was absolutely nuts. But, I, I'm telling you, you, that know, game's Part of that, that is my fault, because I just kept saying, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the rules. Yes. <laughs> so just stand me, back and go, wow. Let, let me get into a cure for drunkness. Uh, drink every time there is eel business, which means every time something eel-related is on screen. Drink every time people are less clothed than you'd like them to be. Uh, there's a comma after this rule that says drink again, which leads me to believe that when I wrote these rules, I was already a little drunk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fucking drink again. Uh, drink every time Dane DeHaan doesn't investigate his toilet. Drink every time the song from the music box plays. Drink when Dane DeHaan's workplace gets unnecessarily hostile. Drink every time the bodies were dried up like mummies is said. Drink when you just kind of stop and go, wow. Alexis, ten times last night. Oh, I kept a counter. Uh, And when they introduce a massive plot point with less than 30 minutes left in the movie, it should really be less than 20, finish your drink. Now... I kept a WoW counter going, because when we first played this game, I put in the WoW rule kind of as a joke, but towards the end of the movie, Mick did stop and go, WoW. (laughs) Alexis said WoW seven times. Oh, wow. Yeah, one of them, (laughs) there it is. One of them was a shot of a train, which again, beautiful. The, that was the, my the, first wow. The yeah. train shots in this film. I mean, honestly. No, it's the, like any shot that has like this gorgeous reflection, reflection in it using yeah. like the water or like the clear clear glass or something. I mean, they're really maximizing their location. I don't know where they shot the movie. We should look that up. But I mean, if you're in the Alps, amplify that as much as you can and all the reflections. And it's so, so gorgeous. This film. Oh my God. I really, Feast for the eyes. I really loved um, where... Hannah Mia Goth's character was uh, she was like standing on the edge of like not necessarily like a pond but like a giant kind of square like water space and there's just this gorgeous reflection of the mountains um, and her in the water it was just so pretty yeah I kept wanting to say wow like I definitely said it in my head a few times and then I was like I'll just keep that there (laughs) keep that there Uh, so I feel like we're definitely going to spoil this movie, so I'm oh, just yeah. going to issue sure. a, a massive spoiler warning. Oh, I feel like this is the first time you've ever actually like issued a spoiler alert before you begin to spoil the movie. That's how much it matters to me. That's right. how much it matters. I guess listeners should probably just assume. Yeah, I mean, we're point. covering the movie. We're going to talk about yeah. what happens in it. Um, so, the finale of A Cure for Wellness is one of the most bizarre things I've seen in any studio movie. We've talked, I mean, we have talked at length about Barbarian and how that's a gear shift movie that goes absolutely nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about Malignant and how the end of that movie is insane. And when I watched Malignant for the first time, my immediate thought was, that's the boldest ending to a studio horror movie since A Cure for Wellness. Yeah. Because a Which cure, I, think, I think that's still a fair assessment. Yeah. A Cure for Wellness ends with the reveal that uh, 
Jason Isaacs Dr. Volmer is really the immortal Baron von Rickmar, uh, who uh, has been raising his daughter, Hannah, uh, to be his new bride after uh, the villagers 200 years ago murdered his sister and threw uh, the, the fetus, which was Hannah, the product of incest, into the aquifer. Then Jason Isaacs removes his face and gets in a confrontation with Dahan and Mia Goth, which ends with Mia Goth's Hannah burying a shovel in his head. Yeah. It's Loved nuts. It. Loved it. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, such a crazy shot. towards the end, yeah. that's for sure. Because the whole movie, you're thinking, where is this going? You're titillated and you are intrigued because you keep getting all of this eel business. I really which, liked the color palette. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. But by the time you get to the end and you realize what it's all been, it's very, oh, okay. It, it went there. That's where it okay. went. Okay. Yeah. I, you know what? I'll admit, I like a movie that makes you, that, that just shows all its cards in a very yeah. proud, I, bold I, way. I will say I don't love the rapey vibes that no. this movie has. Nobody does. Except for the, yeah. yeah. Not good. I was going to say the person committing them, obviously. But that's, you know, probably goes without saying. Hey, fun little quick story about uh, Jason Isaacs. He almost hit me with his car one time. I went to go see his car. <laughs> <laughs> I went to, yeah. I went to go I'm see I'm okay with that. Thanks, Alexis. Wow. I, meant, I meant like he could hit me with his car. I meant it like that. But, but I'm you'd just prefer I'm it's just me. Joking. Okay. No, okay, of course I wouldn't prefer it to you. Um, <laughs> I. It's very Freudian in here tonight. <laughs> I, uh, listeners, they would like it. Yeah, nice. I mean, it is appropriate for a movie that's set in a sanitarium in the Swiss Alps. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I went to go see a screening of Death of Stalin when I was in my freshman oh, year of college. I was on my, that movie. I was biking to the movie, and a car pulled out of a parking lot and almost hit me. And we both kind of stopped. I made eye contact with the driver. I thought, huh, that kind of looks like Jason Isaacs. I'd forgotten he was in the movie. I continued my bike ride to the theater. I went and saw the movie. It was then revealed that it was a Q&A screening with Jason nice. Isaacs. <laughs> and I was like, oh, guess that was it. <laughs> it almost killed me. Yeah. God, what a badge of honor that, that Yeah, not, be, a, not that a bad way to go. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, like, if I'm going to get hit by a car... Yeah. I'd prefer Jason Isaacs hit me so I could sue him for everything he's if, fucking worth. If there is an afterlife, that would be a great icebreaker for all the other dead oh, people. Yeah. Hey, I, I got killed. Guess who did it? Lucius Malfoy trucked me with a wrench. He rental. totally trucked me. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, he is so good in this movie. He's great. I he's love an Jason incredible Isaacs. Actor, yeah. Any performance he's in, it, it's so good. I, I feel like screen presence is... Uh, Oh, he's got it. It's kind of like porn. You know it when you see it. Yeah, and, you know, for real. Like, honestly, to bring up uh, Death of Stalin again, that, that shot where he walks in and he takes off, his, takes off his cape. Oh, my God. Talk about commanding the screen. Well done. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. I got I to gotta throw in a, a remark about the movie any, any, any chance I get. You know? You know? I love it. Yeah, Mick, what was uh, what was your first reaction to A Cure for Wellness? My first reaction, probably, if I can remember it, because <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was shocked. 
frankly. It was uh, it was very it's a, and it, it's an intoxicating film. You know, it's one of those movies that drive you mad, and that's another movie that I was going to reference. The Lighthouse does a very similar thing, where by the end of it, you feel just as topsy turvy as the main characters do because you don't trust what's real and what isn't. And I remember just questioning everything by the end of the film. Uh, yeah, I, I I liked it. I uh, yeah, I feel like. It's such a sort of bizarre film that throws so much at you that it's taken literally until this last viewing for me to come up with sort of a cohesive take on what I think the movie is about. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to share that out. And you, yeah, you tell me sure you think I'm off it. Uh, I wrote that the sickness we are trying to cure is the sickness of greed under capitalism. The only hope that the only freedom we can hope for under capitalism is death. When you're a corporate drone, that's the only cure. The only freedom is breaking out of that cycle. Wellness culture is a misplaced response to existential dread under capitalism. That's why the only cure for the human condition is disease. It's not a coincidence that the rich people are the patrons here. The Baron used to exploit the working class, but they wised up to his oppression and they revolted. The petty bourgeoisie are convinced that the ruling class have their best intentions at heart and are more easily duped due to their creature comforts. Even when you think you're at the top of the ladder in capitalism, there's always a bigger fish, or eel, that wants to consume you. And that's why there's a scene early in the movie where Dane DeHaan visits his mother in a nursing home mm -hmm. and uh, asks her if she's happy and she says, people come here to die, why would I be happy? That line makes more sense in co that context. The spa is a place where people come to die and are happy because that's the only place where they can be free of the cycle of capitalism. Lockhart can't engage with her actual desire to live because his life is so hollow that a nice place to die seems just fine. And that's why his response to her, I think, is both really telling and really funny because the only thing he can say to his mom saying that is, I just got a promotion. Yeah. So those yeah, are my thoughts. Well, well said. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Because I, I remember that moment last night, you were like, I think I just figured out what this movie's about. I was excited to hear it. Yeah. Nice. Which, that was my one note that I wrote down, was like, they're all sick from capitalism. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And, and I think that, well, it, it might be a little clunky. I think it's why it's important that his employers show up at the end of the movie. It's, it's a movie that's about freeing yourself from the prison of capitalism. So, you know, the... The fact that his uh, superiors show up at the end of the movie and he doesn't go back is an indication that he's, you know, well, he might have completely lost his mind based on the insane final shot of the movie. Mm -hmm. At least he's free. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, you always want your character to go through some sort of a change, and I'm glad that he does actually have that at the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was just so funny though at the end because it's like he's he's literally telling them all he's like there's nothing wrong with any of you there's nothing wrong with any of you but then none of them can see it and of course that's why they attack him and uh try to yeah i i think that that ties into something that uh gore Verbinski hasn't done a ton of interviews about this movie but one thing that he said i believe to collider was that this is a movie about uh, how susceptible people are to 
being absolved of any responsibility for their problems or uh hmm. you know like external causes because he's like people love being told oh well it's it's not your fault you're sick and you know these people who yeah. are at the top of the capitalist system love being told you're that absolved of it's your guilt. it's not yeah. it's not your fault there's something wrong with you so that's Dane DeHaan saying, oh, there's nothing wrong with you, is the, they, they want something to, to be, be wrong, wrong with, with them. them. That's why they're happy to be in this place that's killing turn on them. them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting, Gore Verbinski, I, this is not his first film where it's definitely a critique of capitalism. And that's part of the reason I enjoy him as a filmmaker, you know, aside from the fact that his you know, movie story is so grand and epic. And aquatic. And aquatic. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Mick loves it. We know you love those aquatic metaphors. He loves I a do. damp film. For real. And this is one of the dampest. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, That actually, to do a little callback to our other episode, we were talking about eel slurping. Uh, I think it was one of the, the viewings we had where we realized that eel slurping could be used synonymously with gaslighting because there's so much gaslighting in this film. <laughs> uh, and there, and there is literal eel slurping in it. Yeah. Remember that scene? Oh my god, that, that is, is that is. Terrifying. Oh, that was that was Utterly oh terrifying. oh that's my that was my one. Okay, now I remember that was my one complaint about the movie is why is there so much dental horror? There's so much mouth it's horror. You know, being at the dentist is a very vulnerable scene. I always like I don't know. There's just so many things that can go wrong. The needles are so big. Like there's just. And they got your mouth all spread wide open. It always reminds me of that scene in Final Destination 2 where, like, the blowfish, like, lands in this guy's mouth and he starts choking, but he can't move because he's in the seat. And this movie just really oh, it brought it all back. It's like the blowfish. <laughs> it's like the blowfish. It was so bad. I was, I, I literally had to, like, turn around, like, laying on the couch, like, to turn into the couch and, like, hug myself because I was like, oh, this is so horrible. Why are they doing this? Yeah. Yeah, as someone who uh, broke his two front teeth out in college, uh, the scene where they drill into Dane DeHaan's oh, tooth is horrifying. like horrifying, brutal. Yeah, I've always said I have a I have a real struggle with eye injuries in film, but this movie reminded me that uh, that that extends to dental stuff. Yeah, that I think just horrifying. anything that's like in the mouth, like the face area. Mm-hmm. Or even just, like, when somebody, like, drills into somebody's, like, head or something. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um, I, I do have to bring up, and I know you didn't quite enjoy this when I said it, Zach, but I mean this with uh, the most compliments and sincerity. But uh, A Cure for Wellness, to me, seems a lot like uh, um, Gore Verbinski's Guillermo del Toro picture. His version of it. It's this big, gothic, psychological horror where it basically explores and plays on the corruption of man and the corruption of capitalism how corrosive that can be and really the power of love of course you have to have a movie with that but i i just love uh it it really guillermo del toro is one of my favorite directors and when i say that this reminds me of a guillermo del toro picture i mean that in the most kindest of ways really uh it's fantastic with the locations i mean the cinematographer uh, I'm going to butcher this name. I think it's Bo- Bohan Bezeli, who also has done Guillermo del Toro pictures. He shot Crimson Peak. Hmm. 
So, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I, if you like Guillermo del Toro movies, you should really give A Cure for Wellness a chance. I think it would be right up your alley. I think you should give Gore Verbinski a chance because I think he's also... I, I think the, the only umbrage I, like, genuinely take from that is, like, I think that Gore Verbinski has been a filmmaker with gothic tastes for as long as del Toro has. I think that he... He makes very gothic, baroque, big pictures. Even when he's making a comedy like Mouse Hunt, like yeah. that is a gothic picture. I'll have to watch that again. I only saw that yeah, once when I was really young. Remember Whoopi Goldberg was in it. I just, I really enjoyed how every shot in this movie was basically a painting. And then just like there's this one shot of uh dane dehan's uh character moving through the like i don't i want to say like sweat house area this mm-hmm. area oh, down the sauna, there yeah. the sauna yeah. and uh in this one room the tile and i don't know if they probably like color graded this or something but it is almost an exact match for like his skin tone so like mm-hmm. with like the haze and everything it's almost like he blends in in the frame. Disappearing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And just other than that, the the green that they use for a lot of the hospital is just so sickly yeah. looking, you know. And like even the the walls are steeped in the sickness that you know nobody's really paying attention to. That sounds like a, a deathcore song, steeped in the sickness. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that scene steeped you're talking about in the sauna also reminds me of how good the foley work is in this film. Yes. That. that creaking sound of his crutches on the mm-hmm. tile so good like I sh- 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 listen to the foley no no you can't do that you can't do that to our listeners some people don't love those kinds of sounds even though i'd be some doing people, i'd be doing that to you guys first defender yeah I, every time before the podcast starts i'd be doing some weird shit with my mouth as soon as the boys put their headphones on <laughs> there's some people who pay good money for this yeah that's true <laughs> aren't we lucky <laughs> listeners shoot us an email Zach, you us. remind me how lucky i am sometimes <laughs> tell us if you enjoy mouth noises <laughs> The film major mastication. Yeah, no, the Foley in this movie. <laughs> I can get back to the Foley. Yeah, yeah we can go back to the Speaking Foley. Of it was really good. Away. I did, I did say that in the middle of the movie. Was like, oh wow, this Foley work is incredible. Great Foley work. Yeah. Yeah the the sound of the <laughs> drill is like burned into my brain yeah. of it just chewing through his tooth. And yeah, the continuing noise of the crutches with like the hollow wide spaces of the sanitarium. It's really, it's a really effective sound mix. And again, I love the original score. Really great music. Okay. I like it when no, they do it. No, I can do it. Okay, Guys, I, it's fine. you believe in me? I do believe in you. We do believe I, in you. I, I don't know about like me leading a quartet. Getting in my way of bringing up me a goth. <laughs> oh, yes. All right, let's get into it. Oh, yeah, no. Okay, so in the when she was doing her little ballerina dance in the bar, um, I think it was after that scene, I was just like, wow, I just... the Her physicality in just every... like. I'm thinking specifically Pearl and now A Cure for Wellness. She just, she knows how to fill space in, like, the camera's view, you know, in this way that, I don't know, she, I, 
Mia Goth so much. And now, now I kind of understand what what Zach's been talking about with Mia Goth for the past like month. Um, this is the one. In, I respect her. I really respect her. And uh, I mean, you know, respect I mean, really re- goes a long way for me. So. <laughs> I respect Mia Goth too, but I feel like that is not what I've been talking about for the past month. Oh well, I mean, I don't know. I I love the haunted look. Yeah. You love you love a gaunt figure. <laughs> but I, I agree with you about the movement of Mia Goth. Yeah. It's really, really something. And it really adds a lot to a performance, uh, character movement. I always love it when, a, when an actor chooses to really exemplify a character, not just through their eyes and through their words and how they choose to deliver their lines, but just through their movement. I mean, that, that famous actor who worked with um, Akira Kurosawa a lot would always talk about how have he would choose a quirk a movement and he would just embody that and it forms so much about the character she literally in many scenes looks almost like a marionette character that's waiting for her strings to be pulled which is in direct opposition to like the character that she plays as pearl and then also as maxine which i don't know you can see it just in the way that like she even like stands she kind of like is a little hunched over but obviously with maxine you know it's very much this strutting kind of like movement mm-hmm. so i yeah i don't know she's just she's great at uh, what she's doing i'm just really quick gonna say the actor who uh collaborated with kurosawa was to share mafune yeah. uh because we'll be killed We'll be killed if we don't. I know. I had, it, I, had it, I had it pulled up on my phone just now, but I didn't want to butcher the name. Yeah, don't Toshiro Mifu- Mifune? Toshiro Mifune. Toshiro Mifune. Great. Holy fuck. Sorry. Take it away. <laughs> that was a handsome man. Oh, see. my God. Show me. He was the George Clooney Give of the me. 60s. Yeah, let's let's get into this for a bit. He, he was, he was a stud. A, he was yeah. a fucking A-lister. Oh, right that there. guy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, something that I wanted to bring up, which is one of the elements that I really enjoy in a movie and really enjoy in this movie, is how every single person, no matter the size of the role, no matter if they are a force for good or a force for evil, is the creepiest motherfucker, the most cryptic son of a bitch you have ever met. Uh, The actor who plays... Dr. Peterson, mm. who is the first doctor who uh, Lockhart really has like a conversation with, uh, is so just like verbose and like grim, and is so fun to watch. His delivery of yes, history is full of darkness. It's <laughs> <laughs> like it's incredible. The little kid on the train in the opening of the movie who's just drawing a devil and staring just through Dane Dahan. Every single person in the cast is creepy and I live for it. I live for it. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to all the supporting actors. Yeah. yeah. The background work is really good. And just in general, I was really appreciating like not only just like his, the way that you know the color palette kind of works with everything in in that but his blocking of his characters in each shot is just perfect yeah absolutely perfect you know it, it's having directed background now for my job uh it, it does not take me out of it when watching another movie that mm-hmm. has background actors in it 
it's a lot you'd probably agree with this it's really fun to watch it done really well oh yeah and how you know sometimes when i set background costumes department will come in and say no no no, these people can't play and i don't really understand why but now that i do it more i realize certain colors you don't want next to each other yes this woman's wearing a bright red dress we want her at the forefront she's wearing a sparkly dress she's gonna glitter as she like walks by camera and so when you watch that composed well in a good film like a cure for wellness uh it's a great film you you really you really appreciate it yeah because there's a lot of background work in this and you have the guy going through the park flying a kite which is just one of those things where you see that and you go oh boy this is gonna be an interesting stay at this clinic (laughs) yeah you see an old man man playing with a kite what did i say when he first got there i was like oh what was it it was like um I, i don't trust i don't trust this place Everyone's Every, yeah, everyone's white. Everyone seems to be white. That's a big gnore from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. As soon as he got there, I was like, uh, everyone's in white. Everyone is white. They all seem to be white. Mm-hmm. Nah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seems, a white flag seems right like there. a big danger zone for me, <laughs> pal. And you were correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was. My instincts you were good instincts. spot on, guys. Yeah, between oh. this and, like, Midsommar, okay. uh, white people garbed... I mean, and also, you know, life. Yeah. White people garbed in white. That's a big no-no. Yeah, it's a big no-no, for sure. Fuck, what? Oh, God, I forgot already. Never I mean, mind. that's a that's a cornerstone of cinema. That's not even a genre or subgenre. <laughs> it's just white people that make you go, oh, no. <laughs> danger. Will Robinson, danger. Yeah. Um, yeah. You going to say something? I was, and I immediately lost it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Are you here for the cure? Mm-hmm. You seem to have it worse Don't than bring out anyone. a blue bottle. I will leave. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. When yeah, you once you find saw out that what that is. Condensed, <laughs> which I had my suspicions. That was the fun part of this movie. Is like There was little things where I was like, I have a suspicion that this is what is going on. But What's going on? Um, <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> no, I, uh, I, on that same note, I wrote down that this movie's really great with little details that mm-hmm. when you rewatch the movie really come to the forefront obviously there's the picture in the office that they hold on for just enough time for you to notice the man with his face in bandages which turns out to be the baron yeah. uh there's also the moment uh there's a little moment when uh lockhart first talks with hannah where she looks up and she sees uh the Baron looking down at her from one of the windows of the uh, towers at the sanitarium. And uh, there's also a little moment, which I think I missed the first time I watched the movie, where after uh, Volmer picks Lockhart and Hannah up from the town, he dabs his forehead with a handkerchief, and there's a little bit of blood mm-hmm. on the handkerchief, which... Uh, Despite it being an insane moment when he tears his face off to reveal that he's the fucking Lizard King, uh, it is seated. So, mm. yeah, hats off to up. the setups and payoffs oh, in no, Cure yeah. for Wellness. What was the other one? It was the, the kid who was pl- who was drawing the picture of everything on fire. And I was like, ooh, that was a good... Yeah. When we get to the end, I was I like, up. And I knew that was going to be important as soon as I saw it. Yeah, and you have the... Sto- it's... It is, like, also just a really great movie about the past, like, reverberating. And, I mean, I think it ties into, you know, the reading about capitalism and how it's just sort of this beast that's lasted and lasted. 
because I mean the story about the uh, Baron's castle being burned down you know it's gonna come back and inevitably it does yeah My, I love that the fact that um, the people in society who are the most exploitative are willingly being exploited by the Baron yeah. it's a nice little a nice little twisty twist right there it's a good twist Yes. Oh, the other thing, I really loved all the macro shots, like the, the mm. very, very close shots, like where you could see like somebody's like the fingerprint or like the pores on their face or, you know, Dane DeHaan's beautiful freckles. Um, That's why they call him poor Verbinski. <laughs> yeah. You like that one? You yeah, feel good about that one? I feel good about that one. Okay, that good. One was good. Yeah. We'll keep it. Yeah, we'll keep that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, another thing that I, technique that Gore Verbinski is fucking incredible with which he clearly started honing in the ring and I feel like is really used to full effect in A Cure for Wellness is his uh, deftness with montage Mm. Uh, the videotapes in the ring obviously serve the story well but also are just like really evocative creepy imagery on their own and uh there's a montage right after Lockhart gets in the car crash that seeds a lot of stuff that's going to happen later in the movie and is you know serves the narrative well but also just like stands alone as a bunch of really evocative creepy imagery uh that you know would freak you out if it weren't in the context of this uh chilling film yeah yeah i'd agree with that (laughs) great awesome yeah yeah uh you know another thing that i was saying was um this brings it back to smile just for a second but me and my sister were talking about what we really like in horror movies or just any sort of movie like that where it's like like get out where it's like there's there's something on the tip of my finger like i can't describe why something feels off but i know that something feels mm-hmm. off and that's what you spend the, your entire time time trying to figure out is like what is this what is it you know what the, the what's thing that's going on, on what the thing that is on the tip of my tongue that i can't quite get to um and yeah. to be fair dane dehan didn't have a chance because how do you really get to the end of what this is it's yeah, like, how do you, how like, you arrive it's at like, that as your it's not in, in any rational person's like mind you don't logically get to this point where you figure out that that's what's going on so it is very fun yeah i uh i really enjoy a horror movie i i know some people have issues with the end of hereditary but i really like it because i i like a horror movie that does play with the idea of gaslighting in the sense that the movie is setting you up to be like, okay, is all of this really happening or am I being misled by my main character or the film in some way and is there going to be a rug pull? And the reveal is, oh no, all of that's really happening and it's crazier than you could have ever fucking imagined. Yeah, it, yeah. it validates your worst nightmare and then it goes even further. Yes. Yeah. I do always re- uh, really enjoy movies where it's, uh, where I guess it is just like the gaslighting is playing such a huge factor because everybody else is making you feel like you're the crazy one for feeling yeah. like something is the fuck wrong. And um, there was, 
I think it was was it Dane DeHaan? There was a moment where I was like, and look, and here we got another man going to put a woman in danger because he just can't not check it out. <laughs> you know? That also happened in Killer Clowns from Outer Space where I was like, oh, and we're going to go investigate the giant tent in the middle of the forest. Which, well, why yeah. is it there, though? Is my question. It seems like something we don't want to get to. But there's uh, a big tent there. There's a big tent there. I gotta see yeah. what's in that. I, I do have to say, though, for, for a character that uh, it is kind of nice that something strange is happening, but our male character for once does not investigate, which of course is the toilet again and again. And you wouldn't expect it to be full of, uh, you know, spoiler, eels. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that was interesting. Numerous times he did not check it out. Good that, for him. That is the most Play it smart. That is the most brutal rule in the drinking game, where it's like, oh, hey. Oh yeah. He's not investigating his toilet. He's not investigating his toilet. Drink, and then when he finally does, it's full of eels. So you still he's investigating. Finally, don't have to drink. Oh, it's eel business. And at that point, it's like my boy has known there's been eel business about. There's been fuckery afoot. So Mm -hmm. it it almost isn't even like a big reveal for him. He's just like, well, fuck. Well, of course. (laughs) It'd be like that. It'd be like that. Sometimes it'd be like that. I'm enjoying that you're making fuckery afoot. That we are all making fuckery afoot. Okay. It's a good line. Yeah, yeah it is, I'm it glad is a really good line. Alive. Guy Ritchie, never change. For real. Um, was there any other good quotes in in your notes? Uh, things that you said. Yeah. Let me uh, let me see. I uh, oh, there was one. Let me track it down. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. So there's a moment where. Uh, one of the orderlies takes Victoria Watkins to go get her treatment. (laughs) And Alexis looked at this uh, Swedish, shaggy-looking motherfucker in white scrubs and went, that man could take me to treatment anytime. Oh, yeah, I remember (laughs) that. (laughs) What the hell? Last episode, I said that this movie was going to throw some cold water on the horny energy. No. Nope. And it didn't seem to. <laughs> no, it just evaporated into steam instantly. Yes. Like we were in a spicy sauna. sauna. Yeah. 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 There it is. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I remembered that uh, Dane DeHaan was uh, Harry Osborne from the Amazing Spider Man number two, I was like, oh, this guy. I remember him. Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man <laughs> 2. A movie that uh, I definitely like got on Redbox in like 2015 and was not impressed. I still haven't seen it. You don't need to. Um, oh, there's a, a part in this movie uh, when Dane DeHaan's put in the sensory deprivation tank mm-hmm. uh, and the uh, orderly who's supposed to be watching him is distracted when a female orderly comes in and reveals her breasts to him and he starts jacking off. Yeah. And there's a later moment where there's two orderlies in an elevator and one of them is miming. They're speaking in German and he's miming uh, large voluptuous breasts. And I like to think that that is in reference to the same woman. And she's just she's going, just going around, around the she's same making her rounds. Yeah, her job is to show up and distract people when they're working, and have them beat off, and they'll kill a patient. That's it's a marvelous technique. Yeah, that's canon in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, that came up, and I was like, "Whoa, oh, all right." Yeah. This is 
So, so get well, get well soon. <laughs> it's not a hostile work environment, but it's it's not a professional one. Yeah, no, I would say definitely not. Oh, the fucking lady, that white lady from the firm, lady is unhinged on the real. The... She said the most racist things. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's a moment in the, right? in the opening where yeah. they're threatening uh, Dane DeHaan with jail for committing securities fraud. Uh, to get him to go find uh, Pembroke at this uh, at this sanitarium, and she goes, "Let me ask you something. Have you ever had a ten-inch black cock in your ass?" And it cuts to Dane wow. DeHaan, and then it cuts to a few members of the board focusing on the only black member on the board, and I was like, "Whoa, Jesus! Like Gore, we get it. You do not need to put that much of a point on it." Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's a good preview of, of, of this movie, I'd say. Yeah, it's uh, if that is uh, too wild for yeah. you, then you're not gonna enjoy where that's it goes. That's just casual dialogue in the opening of the film. I do also Prepare yourself. find it very interesting the way that like period blood is kind of portrayed in the film. <laughs> I mean, as a woman, it's just kind of funny because like I think the first time that Hannah's character like actually gets introduced to the kind of the concept of a period because clearly she's with a bunch of menopausal biddies you know so like why would she know you know um but they go to the bar and some woman's on her like period and they does not make sense to me she throws her like bloody rag into like a bin right which I guess it's fine it's like the only bar in town it's dingy okay maybe that but it's just like clumps of blood it just like like somebody cut off part of their finger and they just bled all over these napkins i was like that is an interesting way to portray that okay all right that i'm all is she okay does she need to go to the hospital that doesn't seem right (laughs) yeah she's bleeding out yeah she's bleeding out (laughs) um but yeah so uh other than that yeah good note that it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah, it is very much a uh, man's perspective on a period, which is just bl- blood. Bl- oh yeah, and blood! then when when Hannah's period does actually come, she's just gushing blood in the pool, gushing it, and which does lead to a pretty beautiful shot of the eels all in a circle around her as yeah. she bleeds. Yeah, the the overhead shot. Wow. Yeah, with yeah. in that circle there around her. Yeah, I was, of blood. was honestly pretty uncomfortable with how infantilized uh, Mia Goth's character is throughout everything. And then when he gives her the dress, and like he doesn't even have to say it, but he does eventually say it, you know, that you're a woman now. But as soon as I saw that dress, I'm like, my dude, you've had her in the same dingy dress for what? a hundred and fifty years you're just now giving her a new dress and now you're gonna call her a woman cool okay says a lot about him yeah baron von rickmar yeah bad guy bad guy i'll say the more i learn about him the more i think he's a jerk yeah (laughs) uh do we uh do we have anything else on a cure for wellness i'm good i feel like yeah i think it's just but but i'm just I was blown away, to be honest. Yeah. So I'm very happy that I did see this Go movie. in knowing nothing now that we've explained <laughs> everything. Yeah. Maybe we should add that in the beginning. If you're going to watch this, go in knowing as little as you can. Yeah. But I mean, it 
it is just visually appealing in so many as as many ways as it is visually unappealing at times. Uh, it is incredibly visually appealing. So yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm just glad both of you guys enjoyed this film because uh, I feel guilty for not seeing it in theaters when I was uh, you know 17, 18, and uh, I feel like it is my mission to make a cure for wellness the cult classic that it deserves to be. Amen. Yeah, I can get I can jump on that gravy train, and with that we bring Zach's month. To basically a to a close that's right your curation is You've over yes Cured thank us. you everyone so much for spending spooky season with us uh it's my favorite time of the year and uh i hope that you enjoyed the films that we talked about i hope you watched some of them yeah uh, if you're following our social media which is film majors pod on both twitter and instagram i hope you've been keeping up with the spooky movie list and uh yeah, it's, uh, it's a beautiful time of the year. Thank you for taking this journey with us. And uh, we will be departing from horror films in our next episode. We're departing the station. Yes. The sexy, sexy train shots will be arriving at a different location. Yep. And that location will be the 2011 film Jane Eyre, directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga and uh, starring Mia Wasikowski and Michael Fassbender. Yeah. I'm very excited. Uh, Judy Dench is in it too. Judy Dench is fantastic. And yeah. Can we say why are we watching Jane Eyre? What's 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 coming up next month? Next month, Alexis? Yeah. Well, you know, as you guys know and maybe our listeners don't know, next month is my birthday. Woo! And uh fuck Thanksgiving. But yeah, anyways, fuck Thanksgiving. My birthday's really all that matters at this point <laughs> and because true. of that I will be curating the movies for this month. Oh, I can't wait. It will be a period piece fall. Different I kind of period piece than this one. Different kind of period piece than period the one piece. than the ones that have been happening lately. Um, but yeah, yes, genuinely so, like period so piece. We're, we're starting with Jane Eyre, though, because I thought it would be a good segue out of spooky season with a nice gothic, you know, darkly lit by candlelight and fireplaces kind of it's movie. So good. It's going to be great. Uh, yeah, well, it's in the walls. You. It's in the walls. <laughs> yep, I. It's still there. That is another one of my favorite things in a movie. I know. As soon as I chose this one, I knew. I was like, it's in the walls. She's in the walls. I'm in your walls. <laughs> and not only am I in your walls, but I'm so grateful to be on your airways. And if you uh, nice. would <laughs> like to uh, <laughs> write in, so tell us how you feel about me living inside of your walls. Uh, Wait. Go ahead. And I can tell you how I feel about it. Well, I don't really care. I love Speaking it. of living in walls, can you read that AI-generated tweet? Uh, yeah, I just. <laughs> Wait, which one is this? It's uh, the, did, did you did you put that in the group chat? Yes, I did. Yeah, he did. Uh, there is a uh, AI that generates tweets based on uh, things that you have previously tweeted, and I ran my Twitter through it, and it came up with this little gem. I can picture you skulking around in my apartment like some sort of filthy ghouls, looking through all my things, eating my food, and sleeping on my couch. But don't worry, I won't tell anyone, because I'm your friend. And that feels 
like a robot written love letter wow to our fourth roommate alexis <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that is creepy that's how that sounds accurate. exactly like you you didn't write that i did not God, AI it. these days wow skynet's really killing it i know I, say. I know it was really special i was like it's like it knows me yeah <laughs> Well, if you'd like to know us better, uh, shoot us an email at filmmagerspod at gmail.com. Filmmagerspod at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, with that, this is the end of spooky season. Oh, I'm sad. sad. I'm sad to let it go. It's come and gone. We'll see it next year. <laughs> and uh, we will see you again next time during Period Peace Month. I've got to come up with a better name. I'll, I'll work on it. I'm a, I'm a workshop it. period piece? It's time for the period part. Bye-bye. I don't know if that's better. Oh.